thanks for coming in, man. So nice to thanks. see you. Yeah, nice to have you out. Me. Beautiful, sunny, uh, sunny day, sunny afternoon. I'm so sorry about last time. You know, that the summer has been amazing. I got a new boat and uh, the week leading up to the last time we were supposed to get together, I was uh, way up in Desolation Sound and off grid. And it was so nice. Like, you know, you just, when your phone doesn't work, you kind of put it away. You yeah. know, it's like the mid nineties or something yeah. like it just, you just forget about it and it's a way and you stop looking at it. This thing that you do in the real world, you do it automatically more than 20 times a day. I don't know. What is the real number? A hundred. Yeah. And when that thing gets sort of like turned off and put away, you lose track. Yeah. You lose track of everything. You forget what day of the week it is. Uh, and it is a good feeling. Yeah. We have a pretty good summer. I'd say like a pre pretty good late summer, I guess. It was a late start, yeah. but it ended up, it's finishing strong. I'm hoping that uh, September and October and all that are beautiful. What do they call that? You know, the long summer. I forget the name. I probably shouldn't say it anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, anyway, so nice to see you. I'm so excited to catch up, see what you've been up yeah, to. Yeah, for sure. Um, but before we get into it, tell me your story. Tell you know, the listeners kind of how you got started and how you ended up, you know, doing cool, creative shit in real estate and other things. Yeah. Maybe you can start from, you know, where I'm originally from. I was born in Singapore, never lived there. Um, grew up in Hong Kong. Um, divorced parents moved to, uh, San Francisco when I was, uh, nine and, uh, I lived there for four years and then finally immigrated to, uh, Vancouver. Like most people in Hong Kong, like around the early nineties, get away from the 97. Um, so yeah, I went to high school here. Um, so yeah, I've been quite well traveled during the early you mean, When you say 97, you mean the, the Hong Kong 97? Thing? Yeah, Hong Kong yeah. 97. So a lot of people from Hong Kong want to leave right before that. Yeah, My family was one of them. Um, so yeah, just moving here. Um, you know, I had a bit of, um, growing up was difficult, I would say, and, you know, moving around. Um, you know, definitely experienced some racism growing, growing up and, you know, in high school and whatnot, but, um, you know, you used to, you just get over it kind of thing. Right. Um, going to university similar, I think, um, you know, you, you see some, um, you know, there's definitely some, uh, racism that I experienced as well, but, uh, I don't to get into that, but my passion is actually in computer science and in gaming. Actually, I actually went into Queens university as a computer science major. And uh, yeah, but never really liked the culture around computer science. So I got into a uh, film study. Um, film study, I think I, what I realized what I liked was the storytelling component of gaming. And that's why I think film was actually a better fit for me. Went to, uh, after I went to New York Film Academy, did my degree there. Um, went, came back to Vancouver, um, did Vancouver Film School. Um, then I was working in Toronto on film sets and, uh, you know, I was working as a PA, driving like cube trucks and, uh, you know, always like imagine myself sitting in that uh, director seat. I want to be in that director or producer seat. Always want to start my own business. Um, then I got an opportunity to come back to Vancouver um, to run a local community channel. Um, it's called Novus, uh, Novus Entertainment. It's a, it's a, it's a telco similar to Shaw and Telus. Um, so at age 19, I was running a community channel. I was, thought it was pretty fun. Um, at that time, you know, we were just using uh, VHS tapes to uh, change content. So it was very, very manual. And I think maybe this is the first time I've thought, you know what, I got to digitize this channel. 
So we digitized this uh, channel. And I remember showing my friends, like, you know, we were drinking one day of my, you know, in my, in my condo. It's like, hey, look, I can actually control this channel that you're seeing. I would press like stop on my laptop and the entire TV channel stopped. That was like pretty freaking cool for, you know, a 19 year old. That's a pretty cool, like, tr you know, drinking trick or whatever you call trick, it. Party trick. Yes. Yeah. So um, then I, I guess the next thing was like, you know what? I want to start uh, my own business. And this was during 2005 now. This is when the uh, real estate market was just going up and up. And, you know, I got to do something in real estate. My family came from, um, you know, business background, a real estate background in Hong Kong. So I was like, you know what? Let's, uh, Let's do something with real estate. Let's start our real estate TV channel. So I talked to the owner of uh, Novus. I was like, hey, can you give me a channel? Just just like, you know, back then there was uh, shopping TV when, you know, shopping TV was a thing. I don't even remember that. Um, uh, people would actually buy, you know, by watching TV, right? Different oh, yeah, items. of course. The shopping yeah. Show. So I thought, okay, well, why don't we do something like that for real estate? So we just kind of start playing like real estate listings after listings. And um, that was cool. That was before... You know, YouTube was around, uh, still around. Like, it wasn't even started yet, so it was when TV was still a thing. And um, this is the mid two thousands. Yeah, early early two thousands. Yeah, early mid two thousands. YouTube was just about to start. Cool. Um, so that was my first business, and that's my first success. We grew the channel across Canada. Well, how and, did you um, contact the owner of Novus? So um, uh, the guy is uh, actually uh, he's the owner of Concord as well, and Concord owned Telus. I'm oh, sorry, owned. Uh, uh, Novus at that time and, uh, family you know, friend. had, yeah, family friends and just had the opportunity to, uh, you know, get in there. And uh, that was a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, I, I, I see him, uh, Terry is a good mentor of mine and, you know, he's been a really good friend as well. Um, but yeah, so that's how I got my start in my first business. Yeah. Nice. And was it, uh, financially successful? Yeah. You know, it was, it was fun being like 21 and, you know, had my first bit of success, like my first, um, I remember my, uh, my first six figure client. Um, that was pretty fun. It was a, it was a brokerage out of Toronto. And so that, that was really exciting at that age to, uh, get that kind of success. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I guess, uh, moving forward, I got tired of, uh, nothing against realtors, but, uh, <laughs> I got tired of sort of like working in the resale market and just, uh, you know, we had a subscription model as well. And, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, work with uh, developers. I thought uh, that would be a good transition for me. And um, this is probably 09 now when uh, the market crashed. You remember that? Uh, mm -hmm. Lots of opportunities there when, when the market crashed like this. And I just thought, you know what, let's just do something else. And um, at that time, renderings, like 3D renderings uh, was a thing. And I felt like it was closer to my gaming passion. And um, let's get into that. Um, so again, um, it was just more organic growth, got, uh, had to do some free projects in the beginning and, uh, just slowly grew the company over the last 10 years. Cool. And that's LNG. That's correct. Yeah. Nice. That's cool, man. I mean, you, we've worked together on uh, many projects and yeah, your team is awesome and renderings are tough. It's like, uh, it's one of those things in a timeline that's often problematic. You know, you absolutely need to, uh, you know, show buyers of pre-sale a picture of what it's going to look like and you can't really sell without it. And they take a while to make, and then they take a while to make look exactly the way you want them to look. Yeah. You know, you know, f to be honest, I think sometimes we get, uh, you know, a little bit shafted there. Like we're, we're, I feel like we're making 
the image where, you know, a potential buyer will look at that image and will buy sight and see, right? Um, I sometimes feel like we need better recognition in the industry um, just because, you know, the people do look at these beautiful images and, and, and make that huge million dollar decision, right? So, uh, but I understand like, you know, there's only so much space to put our logos, right? You got to put the key marketing to the world <laughs> and all this stuff, right? So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, they're so important. I'm not yeah, going to sure. understate how important they are. For sure. So I guess, you know, for us, like just over the past decade, for us to stand out is really through innovation. Um, I'll give you some examples like, you know, early uh, when drones were just starting, um, we were the one of the first ones to get a drone. Um, and remember back then drones were massive. They're like a meter wide. Um, and you know, you remember back in the day when you do view studies, you have to send a balloon up and sort of take 360 photos per floor and you charge per floor. And so when drones came out, we were one of the first ones to get it, um, in Canada and we were just killing it the first, like, you know, six months. Cause we were the only guys with drones and we would charge like, you know, a thousand or 1500 bucks per floor. And at one day's of work, you can make like 10 G's. And that was a huge, you know, that was a, it was short lived, but that was uh, an example of sort of innovation utilizing sort of latest technology for, for our real estate industry, right? So um, that was fun. Um, the second thing that came out was uh, Matterport, which is widely used now, right? Everybody uses Matterport for resale. I remember when Matterport was probably a staff of 10. I saw a TechCrunch article about Matterport. I tried it. I was like, wow, this thing is going to be the future. I went down to Silicon Valley and I met with the owner there and it's like, hey, can you please like give me a camera? Let me play with this. Maybe about eight years now right now. So, um, so yeah, they gave me the opportunity to uh, be the first in Canada to uh, try Matterport. And I think uh, at that time we were maybe way too early and uh, we might be, you know, if you don't know what Matterport is, it's a 3D scanner that, uh, scans a existing property so that you can kind of walk around it like a Google street view, but very, very immersive. Um, so, so yeah, and th that's sort of what we did. And, uh, that's another example of sort of innovation that kind of sets us apart from some of our competitors. And, uh, I guess the third thing that's uh, sort of been a bit of a success for us when, was when the first Oculus came out, this is a virtual reality here, um, uh, before it's called Meta. Uh, Facebook, actually before Facebook even bought Oculus, the first version of it, we, we really got into it right away and said, you know what, VR is going to be a thing. Uh, that's our assumption at that point. Um, being able to, you know, experience a home at the comfort of your home, uh, experience a property at the comfort of your home. We thought that was huge. We got into it, doubled down on it, had some really big activations. Um, and you know, to, to date, I would say that, uh, VR is more of a, you know, a, a great marketing and PR sort of push uh, for certain property uh, projects and a really good design tool. I'm not sure if it's, uh, I'm not convinced that as of today, it's a, it's a really good uh, tool for a specific buyer to actually visualize it and just make a big decision purchase. Not quite there. I think maybe in five years. So that's pretty much my, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree about VR. I, I love it. I have an Oculus at home. I don't look at it every day. I don't love it that much. I just, I just need to have it because I need to understand it and experience it to know kind of where things are, where things are headed. 
But in its application to real estate, I do think that it will be a huge thing. You know, it's it. But when I imagine, you know, going all the way there, like it's a great way to to get information. It's better than looking at a picture. But if I was to imagine actually being a buyer, which is what I usually do when I'm trying to figure out how to find buyers for homes and pre-sale. When I think about it, I imagine myself um, buying, say, a rec property somewhere. You know, like mm-hmm. we have a home, I have a home with my family, no intention of moving. So in, in imagining buying a, an investment property, you know, it doesn't have the emotion that most home buyers have. So if I want to get into it, I think about what if I wanted to buy a recreational property for my family mm-hmm. and say it's on the Sunshine Coast or Hawaii or someplace like this. Could I throw on a headset and walk through and see these mock-ups of the interior design and a bit of a view out the window and, and things like this to feel comfortable enough to buy? And the answer is no, you know, definitely no, not yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be a way to get excited enough to take a trip to go see it, but, um, you know, buying real estate, especially rec property, it's about the place, you know, it's yeah. about the feeling you get from being in this place. and. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the amenities of the neighborhood and, you know, what your life's going to be like, you know, during the time that you spend there. Don't get me wrong. I think VR is getting there. I really do see a lot of value. And there has been tremendous growth in the last few years. Um, For example, I'm not sure when was the last time we tried VR, but it may not have been room scale. And what that means is you can put a headset on and you can actually walk around in a physical space but you're actually in a virtual world. So it's completely tracked one-to-one yeah. inside of tracking. I think that had a huge um, you know, improvement to the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the first versions were just like 360 videos or photos. Um, so yeah, it, it is getting there, but, uh, but I'm not sure if it's ready for full adoption yet for yeah. real estate. Yeah. So are you doing anything with it? Yeah. You know, it's to be honest right now, it's mostly R and D um, and selective activations. Um, I don't think it's a pro- it's a product that uh, or a ongoing service that every single developer want to do it. It has to be for a right developer, right project. Yeah. So it's per case scenario. Yeah. yeah. So LNG uh, core business is still renderings. Yes. Um, so we're we're actually in the process of uh, launching our first product. Um, it's called Proxima. Uh, we're digitizing the presentation center experience. And a lot of this was, uh, you know, all, all came from COVID. Um, I think the pandemic has really accelerated the uh, digital transformation of our industry, like many other industries. Um, building show homes, like it's very expensive and a lot of people can't even access it. So we're really digitizing that uh, buyer journey in an application. Um, so imagine a user being able to, uh, you know, go from macro to micro, understand the developer story, look at the neighborhood, go look at the virtual building in 3D, pick and choose units, um, go down to floor plans. Let's walk through it a little, little more detail. Yeah, like, for so sure. I got a, a, you know, a 50 unit town owned project in my yep. mind. Um, if that, if that project was going to be taken to the market without a physical presentation center with Proxima, um, what would that process look like? I'm guessing it would start with, you know, ordinary advertising and an ordinary website experience leading to a registration opportunity for interested buyers? Yes. So this is not a website. This is more of like a web application. We're not trying to replace the website. Yeah. It's, it's very Just different. trying to understand how it would fit in. So the regular website would still be there. You're saying you're yes. not replacing that. 
then you have registrants. And at some point you're creating an opportunity for a buyer where the normal experience for a buyer is to be invited into a presentation center to have a, meet a salesperson, have a look around. Instead, they're going with a that's, Proxima. That's correct. Or, or um, initially, Proxima is supposed to be a sales tool. It's supposed to give the uh, ability for agents to go to Starbucks and talk to a potential buyer or do a Zoom call and be able to share a screen. Yeah. Um, so it's it's like all the marketing assets that we've been creating through LNG and our related companies into one application. Um, so yeah, that's. So they say the invitation to an interested buyer is to meet at, at a coffee shop and um, I'll take you through it, you know, so to speak. Uh, what's the interface? You look at an iPad or putting on a headset or? It would be an iPad yeah. for now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you go through the whole user journey. So it would be very efficient the way um, the user experience feels. It's not like a website where you keep scrolling and you don't know where to, uh, the agent would probably get lost, but you, you go like, it's all about the floor plan comparison too. That part gets pretty complicated sometimes. Being able to pick and choose which floors, what the views look like. All that should be done very efficiently. Yeah. Um, in real time, you know, inventory control, that sort of thing, synchronizing with whatever CRM you're using, whether it's Spark or yeah. other other products. Yeah. yeah, I understand. So the salesperson sitting with a prospective buyer and they just have everything they need in one place. It's all in Proxima. That's you know, correct. Here's what the building's gonna look like. Here are the seven different renderings, virtual tours. Yeah, here's what the view everything. would be like. And the 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 salesperson's taking the prospective buyer through. And then once they decide what they want, they're looking at pricing, inventory of what's available, all that kind of thing. That's correct. You know, future versions could be like, you know, there's there's all these hot topic about buy now buttons, like digital contracts, like pre-approvals, all that things is part of our sort of roadmap. Um, but for now, we want to sort of stay true to just mimicking the experience of the presentation, that's yeah. presentation center. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Everything that you would see in a presentation center, you can now see on this app. That's, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, what's your first project going to be? You know, it's uh, TBA. It's going to be, um, it's going to be a big one. Uh, we're going to be announcing it pretty soon. Uh, we've been doing a lot of smaller projects for now, but um, there is a big one that's coming up. Cool. Um, so yeah, pretty excited about that. For nice. Sure. Nice. Is that uh, like this fall or? Yeah, it'll be this fall. Oh, cool. for sure. Nice. I hope uh, I'm excited for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we should uh, talk, see if it's a fit for any of our Absolutely. projects. What are, what's your ideal project? I would say for now is townhomes. The reason why I ask is, the reason I say this is a lot of the townhome projects are contemplating whether they should build a presentation center or not. Mm. And this could be, you know, if you want to just sell our boardroom, this would be a perfect product. Yeah. Um, so for now, I'll say that is the best client for us. Yeah. Um, for tower projects, for sure, too, this can live as a touchscreen on yeah. the presentation center. Yeah. Sounds like your big one's probably a tower. Yeah. 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 That's right. Cool. Yeah. Cool, man. It's, uh, you know, silver lining COVID. I agree. COVID has forced um, a lot of accelerated change. Yeah. Most of it good. Yeah. You know, a lot of technology, a lot of uh, creative solutions to... Uh, Travel alternatives, um, such as coming to the office. You know, we were just talking about it with uh, Nick earlier. People prefer to work from home now. Yeah. And that's just not changing back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I feel I have mixed feelings about it because mm -hmm. I've always felt I was on the progressive side of things and flexible and cool. 
but some days I think Elon was right. You know, some days I doubt myself and I, and I think come back to work. Yeah. I, sometimes I feel that, yeah. you know, like this morning I was at my desk at seven thirty and still alone in the office at nine and, and, uh, and just wondering yeah. and, and again, wondering about myself, about, about leadership and whether I was doing the best job I could to help people be successful and help us as a team be successful or not, or if uh, Elon was right after all. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. What, one thing I noticed is uh, clients are not um, needing to meet in person as totally. much. So I like that part though. Yeah, that part's good. And, and it's and better. Right? That part is better. Like Zoom is better because more people attend. Yeah. Meetings happen more often. For sure. Um, I think it's, um, you know, it's the in-betweens I miss, like, um, you know, like small talk, mm -hmm. you know, when you're getting coffee or something, you know, building that social capital, I think they call it. I think that's the part that you miss when you just all Zoom. So Yeah, I miss it for sure. Yeah. And I worry about people like, you know, if they don't come in and, and physically see each other and get a vibe, um, they forget that they're friends, yeah. you know, and then, you know, inevitably a recruiter calls and normally they wouldn't, you know, take the coffee meeting, but they're like, ah, yeah, maybe I should, you know, I'm not really yeah. feeling it, you know, so maybe I'll hear what they have to say. And then yeah. all of a sudden they're having their mind changed about <laughs> their level of happiness. And now there's potential turnover and stuff. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. The worries figured out as we go, I guess. Yeah. And I haven't uh, decided whether Elon was right or not. Um, but I definitely wonder some days, but one thing I know for sure, I don't know how he does it, but one thing I know for sure is I am not into pushing water uphill. Like I just want to go with the flow. So if, if that's what people want, uh, that's what I want to give them. And I just need to figure out how to do it better. I've wondered about virtual workspaces, you yeah. know, I've even sort of messed around with some and like, which ones I can't remember. I knew you were going to ask, but it was the, uh, Oh, there was that hand-drawn one with Condo Expo. I forget the name of that one now. I don't know if I showed it to you or not, but... Yeah, there's there's one called Como. There's another one that's kind of like ha the hand-drawn one. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and then there's another one EXP uses. I've checked out that one. Mm. So the two I know the most are the uh, best are the hand-drawn one I can't remember and the uh, the EXP Realties one. They're both cool, different. Like the hand-drawn one is artistic and creative and the other one is a little more real life. Yeah. And then you see, you know, what Facebook has planned, you know, and they're sort of like big pitches, that big one that they did months ago for, uh, you know, the metaverse. And, yeah. Um, I think there could be something to that because there's like, in terms of like applications of VR that, that makes sense. Um, Zoom is sort of great, but you don't really feel like you're actually with that person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just an image on a screen. Um, you don't feel like you're in the room with them. You don't see their body. You don't like, you know, get a vibe or anything like that. Whereas in virtual reality, even if it's just an avatar, even if it's not really them, if it's a creative expression of them, for sure, I think that there is something there. Yeah. Um, like even in that pen pencil sketch one, uh, virtual reality, I spent a lot of time with the opportunity to be creative, the opportunity that everyone would be there in this, in this office together, just their avatars, but that they would be in this place, although digital place together, there was something psychologically for me that felt real about that, mm -hmm. that I would have an office in there. And the way that worked is when their avatar came close to you me, you hear them. Yeah. You start, you know, the one, yeah, yeah. You start to gradually hear them just as if they're walking into the room and they're like, Hey Cam, what do you think about this? Da, 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 da. 
and then they'd leave again. My office would be quiet. It could be an igloo. It can be right. some sort of creative like expression. You can of play what, some music if you want. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I've wondered about that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just figuring it out, but I definitely don't want to push water uphill. I don't want to push rope. I don't want to, uh, I want to give people what they want. I just don't have, I haven't figured out exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I worry about is helping people be successful. Not everybody has an easy time being completely self-motivated. You know, some people like think of every person that ever was successful in like the military, for example, Mm -hmm. that's the type of person who there's lots of people and they're great people. They like structure and they love it. You know, it makes them feel good. I even have people on our team that are absolutely like that. And I can think of who they are. Um, They like a start and an end to their work. They like to, you know, work within the line, so to speak, they like there to be a break between work and non-work. Um, and is it weak leadership on my part to be too loosey-goosey, too airy-fairy, too flexible? It might be, you know, it might be it's healthier for people to go to a place, come home, have more separation. But the reality of work now is that people are uh, constantly connected, you know, yeah. and I have to acknowledge that. And I know that I am. Um, it's not 24-7, but it's... 12, six or something. I don't know what it is, but it's like, there's this, there's a significant portion of your life where you're pretty aware of your inbox or your Slack or whatever it is that Mm. you're using to communicate with the rest of your team. So in acknowledging that people are constantly connected, um, there needs to be flexibility and gaps within their day. Yeah. So, so are you guys a hybrid model right now or remote first? (laughs) You know what? We, we just recently suggested that everybody be in the office Mondays, you know, just have one day we're all together. So we get some FaceTime and then suggested. Well, I think they were told by their team leaders. Um, and I think it's worked. It's pretty new. Uh, but then, you know, we had a long weekend recently and, uh, and then I came in on Tuesday and there was no one here and I'm like, wait a second. I thought we were, yeah. Technically it's not a Monday, right? Yeah. 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 You gotta do it on a Wednesday or something. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like I say, we're figuring it out as we go. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's what we, that's what we got to do, right? Just figure out how to make people successful, how yeah. to help people. That's what I want to do. How to help people accomplish their goals within this team and this environment. Yeah. Yeah. I love the challenge of it. Yeah, for sure. Same here. Yeah. You must know you're in the people business. Yeah. Yeah. How big's your team now? I'll say, um, there, there's three companies that are in my office, um, close to 60, so LNG and Proxima, uh, LNG, Proxima, Periphery, Periphery Digital, yep. and iShot. Um, these are companies in my office, right? iShot's view photos. Yeah. So iShot's resale marketing. Resale. Yeah. So photos, videos, floor plans. Yeah. Um, periphery is uh, digital marketing. Yeah. Mostly for real estate mm-hmm. and Chinese marketing. Yeah. Yeah. When we had lunch, you were talking about, you know, potentially you know, getting a little closer towards our part of the industry. I guess that's what Proxima is, right? It's, uh, that's what's manifested from that intention. Yeah. So I would say sales is completely off limits for us. It's a completely different, uh, piece, something that we'll never touch. Um, I'll say Proxima is, is mainly a, um, is, is a, is a technology is a software, right? is a, is a tool here. So it's not, uh, I don't think you're ever going to, replace the realtor or anytime soon. I think that realtor component is still going to be there for negotiations for, for, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So 
um, I'll say Proxima is, is more of like um, to assist the realtor, is to assist the developer um, and to speed up time and money. Yeah. When you say realtor, do you mean like a brokerage like key? Bro yeah, bro yeah uh, it could be key. Something. It really depends where you are around the world. I think uh, in Toronto has a very different model than in Vancouver and um, in other parts of the world. So um, it's, it's meant to just assist the uh, whoever's selling the project. Yeah. Um, it could be potentially self-serve too, but um, I don't think we're quite there yet. Uh, I think the idea of having this like a Tesla website where you can go on it and make a deposit, it's kind of... It's a little bit different for real estate. It's such a big purchase. Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah. The dream is the it, website, the portal where people can just go on and buy now. choose and buy real estate and you can just make a commission on all of it. Yeah. What's your view on that? Do you think that's going to ever kind of happen? Do you think that's kind of <laughs> towards that? Um, I've heard it like variations of it. I think short answer is no. Um, yeah what is more likely to happen is the value of what companies like ours does will be stripped out, be stripped away by other things kind of like, you know, just cannibalize would suggest that we're doing it, but it'll just be eroded by other technology and services. You know, the reality of what we do, what companies like he does is we, we assure a developer a result, a positive result, call it like a revenue number right. they have on their pro forma they choose to work with us because they believe that we can achieve that. It's actually a, they're actually avoiding risk. It's like if there was an insurance product that they could buy that would guarantee that revenue number, instead of hiring companies like ours, I think they would do right. that all day long. They just want to make sure that if it's call it a $200 million project that, that we're going to get 200 million or 201 or 210 or whatever it is. And that's what it is. That's, that's as simple as it gets the way we get there. Um, doesn't really matter to them. You know, it's hard for our marketing teams to hear, but sometimes some developers just see all spends on marketing, including the Proximas and the brochures and just all the stuff. They yep. just see it as a necessary evil and, and don't even care. If they could wave their magic wand and get the sales result, they would. Right. Uh, it's all about sales for them. Um, so when I talk about like the value being eroded, part of the value of, of companies like ours is the following we have of all the realtors. Um, that we, we work so well with them. They, they're a, a massive distribution yeah. uh, network for a developer's product. And we bring a ton of realtor support to all of our projects. You know, that value could be stripped away potentially right. um, by, you know, buyers not using realtors to buy anymore, for example, and just wanting to go direct in some way that would diminish that the value we could add that way. So I guess, what are you doing to sort of, you know, counter that or you know, prep for that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I spend countless hours thinking about it. I talked to you two years ago about a plan related to working with, uh, giving information, so much quality information to realtors that, um, you know, it would, you know, it, that would be cannibalization because it would right. be diminishing. It would, it would allow all developers and sellers of developments to benefit from, you know, a next level level of communication with this very same distribution network. Right. I think it's better to do that to ourselves than have someone else do it to us. So, so that idea is still percolating and it's still a good one. I just screwed up the capital raise, frankly. I yeah. thought that you it's might- PLS, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought that it would be uh, a good idea to get all the, the big shot agents involved as sort of ambassadors of it. 
yep. literally owners. And then it became a, a leadership question and ownership. And, you know, for anyone in entrepreneurship that started anything, um, you know, the, the, if you're going to use external capital, it's so important to think that all the way through. And I didn't. So the issue became with all of these really important people, and they are, they're all the biggest names in the industry that you would recognize. Um, it became, I don't want to say ego because it's disrespectful, but that's honestly like what it is. It, it became a case of like, well, why, why do we all own this part of it and you own that part of it? Right. And the answer is because this is my baby. Somebody needs to take this thing yeah. across the goal line. Like we're just getting started here. And that answer to very experienced investors in, you know, angels, what they call it them. It makes sense. Yeah. It, to an angel and experienced investor in any sort of early stage tech company or anything like that, they understand that they want the principles, that they want the founders to have a big upside Absolutely. to getting this thing going. But, you know, taking the idea to a bunch of really successful uh, real estate agents um, who weren't experienced in that, it was, a, it was a tough sort of, it was an idea they liked at first based on the idea of the product, but it became sort of, uh, you know, a little bit dysfunctional in terms right. of like the conversations around ownership and things. So, right. Anyway, I just killed it. But it's still there. It's still percolating. So that's one thing I'm thinking about. But every every opportunity to uh, do more with um, software or yep. technology of any type, I'm totally into it. Right. Um, we want to do more uh, with less people. Years ago, I used to have my ego wrapped up in in how many employees we had. Yeah. yeah. In university, I had a friend who's told me about a friend of his, his dad had a hundred employees and it was just a tiny little bit of a conversation, but it just made a real impact on me. Um, I thought back then of having a hundred employees, I thought it was just an amazing accomplishment. And uh, it's not, you know, um, I love people and I love our team, which is in the forties. Um, but honestly, I want to do more with less people, less people, better paid. And they don't have to all be in the office. <laughs> <laughs> Figure that out as we go. Uh, definitely, we don't have 40-something people here. Yeah. We actually had a busy day in the office today. And there was maybe 15 or yeah, something like that. Yeah. It was, uh, that was a busy day here at Key. Uh, but yeah, I'm down for anything. I'm down for uh, cannibalizing um, ourselves. Um, not that I don't love our company and what we do. I just want to be... Um, I always admired Apple. Uh, yeah. The you know, Steve Jobs talked that, about that a lot, about cannibalizing yourself so that nobody else could. I'm down for that. Yeah. I think it's the thing if I don't do it, that somebody else will. Mm-hmm. So you won some awards lately. I can't help but bring it up. You're just like such a golden boy. <laughs> like you're so easy to like. Oh, <laughs> People like giving you stuff like um, you were, I heard, you won the BC Medal of Good Citizenship. Why? You know, during um, during COVID, uh, obviously everybody's uh, you know stuck at home. Um, I wanted to give back. I want to do more. During the first month of the pandemic, um, actually, I just um, on in February 2020, I acquired one of my competitors that had 3D printing capabilities. Um, this was a competitor of mine for probably over a decade. Um, after acquisition. Um, they ha- have some 3D printing capabilities, and then COVID hit. There was a huge shortage in uh, PPE, specifically face shields at that time. What is PPE? Um, personal protective equipment, okay. um, like masks, hand, hand sanitizers, whatnot. 
Um, so, you know, we pivoted that 3D printing department um, and start printing face shields for frontline workers. Um, and we, you know, got a lot of press from it. We, you know, in the, in the press, we basically said, hey, you know what? We need to activate all the other 3D printers in BC. We can share the file. Um, it's an open source file and uh, just drop off the face shields at our office. We'll distribute it to all the hospitals. So in a short period of time, we were able to print around 10,000 face shields in, in a span of a few weeks. Um, so that was, a, that was a bit of a success for sure. And I was really happy to, you know, utilize technology, utilize 3D printing to, uh, to actually help people. The second thing I think I did was, um, this was again during the summer when everything was locked down. And I do a lot of work for St. Paul's. Um, I'm on the uh, chair of the Future Leaders Committee. And uh, I want to do some sort of activation and campaign. Um, do you remember Million Dollar Pixel? The idea of yeah. Million Dollar Pixel, where um, this kid was, um, and he sold a pixel for a dollar and raised a million bucks in like two weeks or something. So I, I wanted to use that concept because we were, you know, we're targeting a younger demographic. We want the younger demographic to give back. You know, they don't have, you know, 100,000, 10,000 to give, but they can give $5. So we were able to um, have this campaign where we uh, worked with uh, a local artist and we were collecting pixels. So each user can upload a selfie, quickly donate $5, and we had 10,000 pixels to make a giant mural. And that mural was right on top of London Drugs um, on Granville and uh, West Georgia. I remember it. And we raised close to uh, 350000 around there. Amazing. So uh, that was our first year. Our second year did really well as well. So that was a campaign that I felt it was really special to me because I think, again, utilizing technology and, you know, we had an augmented reality component to it. Uh, you can hold the phone and, and the, uh, the mural would actually come to life. And cool. um, so it was great to activate a younger demographic. And yeah. it's a really cool idea. $5 is such a palatable donation yeah. and that your own image would end up you know, as part of this mural, that's, that's how it worked, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you cool were, idea. yeah, for sure. We're raising awareness to mental health because obviously during COVID everybody was stuck and, uh, mental health was a really serious issue here. And, um, you know, we're, where idea was like, you can just upload your story, your photo, um, onto this, your story will live next to someone else's story and together we can form this mural. So yeah, that's, uh, so cool. Those are two cool projects I worked on. And really cool. Maybe that's why I got the award, but <laughs> I think that's part of it. That's part of it. And you also won Canada's top 40 under 40 entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's correct. I, it's just, uh, I guess it's just a general, yeah. um, uh, Caldwell bankers award. Um, yeah. Canada's top 40 under 40, but yeah, that was, I was very surprised about that for sure. Yeah. That's cool. Congratulations, man. You deserve it. You're Thank doing you. cool stuff. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I mean, lots of cool entrepreneurial stuff and I didn't know you're, I didn't know you were on the board at St. Paul's or at the, the junior leaders board or whatever. Yeah. Future leaders. Yeah. Future leaders. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. So I do like to spend a lot of time with philanthropy, um, um, on the board for heart and stroke, um, just step down a board for success foundation. Um, we help, uh, immigrants in integrate with, uh, you know, society and, you know, I was an immigrant once, so I uh, just wanted to have an opportunity to give back. Yeah. 
anything you could do to make your make the integration smoother for sure for people like it was it was rough right and it was like definitely 90s, challenging for know? sure in the 90s um i i think you know the awareness is there now and it took a while there's still lots of work to do but yeah yeah it's changing in a good way yeah i mean i grew up in Kelowna, which is a little bit it's a little bit country you know uh in high school i think we had like there's probably one or two asian kids that i remember yeah it's just uh it's just so different now yeah i mean in Kelowna for sure but you know definitely more in the big cities yeah which is definitely a good thing yeah and i think the kids are learning about it at a very young age now so so yeah yeah my kids are of mixed ethnicity okay um and i remember uh being in my kitchen, I was on like the working side of the kitchen and, and my boys on the island looking, watching YouTube videos on, on, uh, on his iPad. Yeah. And I was, I don't cooking something or whatever. And we were on this, like, I got him, I was obsessed with flash mobs at the time. And, uh, so he was watching some flash mob videos, which I still love. Um, anyways, uh, he said, Oh, he's laughing. He's like, Oh, look at this black guy. And I'm like, what the, huh? like, I've never heard him say that. Like he's part black and I've never heard him uh, say that out loud ever. And I, I walked, we have this absurdly long Island. It took me a long time to walk around the other side to have a look at the screen. I'm like, show me, show me. And really wanting to understand why he identified this person this way. And uh, he's like, yeah, look at this black guy right here. And it's sure enough, he's wearing like a black shirt and black pants. And uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. I'm so happy. Uh, the whole uh, notion of uh, race, I think, is uh, silly. I'm not religious. And I know we all come from Africa in the start anyways. And uh, the way we look is a function of um, geography and inbreeding, frankly. So I think it's a silly idea. I'm glad it's glad it's changing yeah, for sure. For sure. Not just because my kids, that's a big part of it, but just better world. We're all getting beige yeah. at the end, end of the day. <laughs> so um, what should we figure out? What's what's next? I, I mean, you're focused on Proxima, right? Yeah, Proxima's next. Um, you know, it's a product. Um, it's not a service. So this is exciting for me because, um, you know, most of my companies are most mostly service-based. I get it. Um, so switching to products, it's uh, quite exciting. And what's the big difference in your mind? IP. I think IP yeah. is the biggest thing. Yeah. What about the idea of, you know, professional services? I'm in them. I understand it. Uh, it's hard. It never ends. You know, it's about yeah. keeping clients satisfied and, and it's people intensive. Yeah. It has a lot of inherent challenges where a product, you know, stands alone. You know, yeah. you just use it. Scalability is another one. Yeah. Yeah. For professional services, you need people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But when it's a product, I just hope it's a fundamental difference and not just a nuance, you know? Yeah. For sure. You know, it's easy to call something a product when in reality, it's a bunch of people using it that need a bunch of support and a bunch of uh, issues around, yeah. uh, you know, supporting or breaking or, yeah. you know, desired or added functionality and all that stuff. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, again, like um, acquisition, it's one thing, valuation. That's a whole different thing. Yeah, services. professional services aren't worth for much, sure, but products are worth a lot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, disruption. Right? Yeah. That's How do people pay for Proxima? Is it? Uh, that's a good question. I think um, you know it's still in the works. I think it depends on the client. Um, obviously, a SaaS model is probably the long-term way to go. Um, but in the beginning, you know, 
Uh, it might be easy for a developer to understand, hey, it's the price of a website. They'll get it right away. Yeah. They'll be like, okay, sure. It's a, it's a check mark in my budget list. Um, subscriptions, they might get a little bit worried about, okay, what is this, right? Um, so really, we're in the testing phase and yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. The challenge with subscription model with something like that is like the best subscription model have a million subscribers paying a little bit. Yeah. Right. That's the, where the real value is because the chance that to a buyer of that is that you're not going to lose half a million subscribers and their safety in that. Yeah. But if you, not only is it a hard sell to get a very few subscribers, like real big real estate developers to pay a big enough amount every month to have it make sense for them. Not only is that difficult, but at the end of the day, just the number of subscribers, if they're all developers trying to sell their projects, yeah, it's just a number in the hundreds, this is not the Because this is a B2B product, right? So yeah. um, you're not going to get that volume. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely something that we need to um, you know explore. And the realtors aren't going to pay. No. <laughs> it's for realtors. It's yeah. Developers will pay. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Interesting. Well, let me know if I can help you figure that out somehow. Yeah, for sure. I mean, whatever. I'd love to show you a demo. <laughs> Yeah, we'll do it right after this for sure. I look forward to seeing it. Yeah. What am I going to see? A townhome project? Both. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. Anything else cooking? That's about it. You know, I like just done a lot of traveling lately and yeah. uh, just now I'm just hunkering down. I'm going to uh, Blueprint uh, next week. I'm not sure if you heard Blueprint. It's uh, one of the biggest prop tech conference in Vegas Yeah. and North America. So I'm going down there next week and uh, yeah, and then we'll be going to this chapter retreat and EO yeah. and yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, Blueprint reached out. We're not going just because we're going to focus okay. on just trying to get the projects we have like on our plate successful. The market's yeah. challenging right now. And uh, so that's going to be our focus this fall. But yeah, I'm looking forward to a few days with you down in uh, California. Sure. What's the name of the resort again? Pelican Hill. Pelican Hill. I heard it's really nice. Yeah. I can't wait, man. I'll see you there. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh, let's do this demo. I can't wait to see let's it. Let's do it. And then we'll share. Um, how do people find out more about Proxima and get it or get in touch with you. Yeah, just get in touch with me. Find me on LinkedIn. I think that's probably the best way. Okay. Um, feel free to add me and just say you heard this podcast, want to connect with you. And that's, I think that's the best way. Leon Ng and yes. Cool. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.